We haven't entirely nailed down what element it is yet, but I'll tell you this, it's a lively one. Let's give your parents a call right now. Hello, welcome to episode number 26 of Gaming with the Moms. My name is Nicole Tanner. I am managing editor at pixelkin.org. Boy, I'm sounding chipper despite <laughs> how my daughter is behaving recently. I'm the mom of a three-year-old. I am joined by Linda Brenneman and fellow mom. Hi, everyone. And Skylander Supercharger, uh, Simone de Rochefort. Sorry, I'll, I'll interrupt you there. I am the portal master. Uh, I am the one who helps the Skylanders on their journey. So I understand that's an easy mistake to make. Uh, <laughs> Okay. Your okay. daughter isn't into Skylanders yet, so you don't know. You no, don't have the depths no. of knowledge. I do I do not, and hopefully Skylanders will not be a thing when she gets into it. Well, she's already into gaming, so I don't know. I hope Skylanders will not be a thing when she's five, It'll which be is just a couple virtual, years from now. Virtual reality Skylanders. Oh, jeez. Oh, maybe. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> so our guest today is Braxton Burke, and he is a game composer. Yay! Yeah. yeah, hi. So we're going to talk about music and games a little later, but let's get started like we always do with some news. So Telltale has pulled all of their games off of <laughs> Apple devices. Yes, yes. In wow. because of the iOS 9 update. And this is something that has happened, you know, with a lot of iOS updates. It happened with iOS 8, not specifically with Telltale's, but the update introduces bugs. So yes. uh, basically players were experiencing, like, audio cutting out. The game was crashing and freezing. So Telltale was like, well, crap. And they pulled uh, Wolf Among Us, Tales from Monkey Island, and The Walking Dead game from iOS. Uh, they're updating it. It will be back. They'll yes, be, all be back. Yes. Um, you know what? I was running into audio cutting in and out the end of Wolf Among Us, oh, even really? before I updated. Oh, interesting. It was very the, irritating. They said it would fix it if you, yes. like, re Yeah, I know, it but I... I had eight. I yeah. had iOS eight, and this was happening. Yeah, so that's weird. Not until the very end, which was super <laughs> annoying. I'm like, I want to hear these people talk. Like, I had to turn on subtitles, and then it was annoying to just hear the the audio like cut, and then it would start back, and it wouldn't be in the right place, and it was. There's literally nothing worse than that. I know. It's like the end of the game. At the end of the game, oh, yeah, wow. it worked perfectly. Through the rest of it. But the climactic moment. Yeah. Yes. Yes, that was bad. Yeah. So Telltale isn't the only uh, game company that has pulled their stuff. Capcom and 2K have also recently hmm. pulled Whoops. stuff from iOS 9. So. You'd think there would be some kind of testing? <sighs> yeah. Just a little bit? <laughs> nah. Yeah. I mean, they are probably busy working on Tales Episode 4, but... Yeah, five, but I think... For lots of developers, I think it's it's really hard, especially if the game's been out, it's really hard to just continue to test for every OS yeah. update. Yeah, that would be agony. So, yeah. Um, so yeah. yeah. But OS they're, they're working on it now. Um, and you can still, like, if you already have it, you can still re-download it and stuff. You're just uh, not going to have fun playing it if you yes. have already updated to iOS 9. Yes. Like so. me. I was so sad because I'm still, I haven't finished The Wolf Among Us yet. I was like. Crap. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful game. Wonderful game. Um, so in other news, Tomb Raider, like every other game, it seems now, is going to have a season pass, <laughs> which means that you will get your DLC for a discounted price. Um, so there are going to be three new modes. There's an endurance mode, a mode called Cold Darkness Awakened, in which you're going to be taking on waves and waves of 
enemies. And then I have no idea how to pronounce this, but Baba Yaga, Temple of the Witch, which I believe is going to be a further story mode, kind of like the DLCs you get with Dragon Age. That's another folklore uh, character, Baba Yaga. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So that that's interesting. That sounds good. Where does the new Tomb Raider take place? <laughs> I, <don't know>. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was in Tibet. I thought, but... I, thought it, I think it's in a number of places, okay, cool. honestly. Is, I'm not sure, though. Isn't Baba Yaga like a Russian, Russian folktale? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. We've seen her in snow. We've seen her in the <laughs> desert. We've, you True. know, who, who knows? That Lara, she gets around. <laughs> you know, I actually haven't been looking up very much information on it because I don't want to get oh. a lot of spoilers. Yeah. So that's fair. So that's why I don't know. I bet she's going to Siberia. Yeah, yeah, that <laughs> yeah, makes sense. Yeah, yeah well, maybe. I'm excited. Well, I mean, if she's chasing an artifact, you know, those types of things can get passed around a yeah. lot. Um, so, yeah. So, next piece of news. Destiny, you may have noticed if you have a PS4 that Destiny has appeared on your PS4 oh. magically. It's like the new U2 album. It is. <laughs> it is. Absolutely. Except not uh, as good. Yeah. <laughs> so, I know Keezy has run into this. Simone, did you run into it too? Uh, we already have Destiny. Oh, so. okay. <laughs> Yeah, so apparently Sony says that um, they learn about your preferences and how you're playing and then provide what they call preloaded curated content. Now, that doesn't mean you actually have the game, Destiny. That means Sony says, we think you will like this. Please download it. So they put it there. Is it in the the section where your purchase games are? Is it yes. like a band? Oh my god! Yes. Oh, that's infuriating. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's really bizarre. Yeah. And you have? Do you have this too? Uh, I haven't played our PS4 in a while, but um, <laughs> I will go check as soon as we get <laughs> yeah. home. Yeah. Oh, actually, Vince funny. already has Destiny. So oh well, there we never go. Mind. Yeah. yeah. So it sounds like this is going to be the first in a number of. Games oh, that might be tossed your way based on your preferences. It was unclear. It, I was reading this on Sony's site. It was unclear if that was going to be like other stuff too, like music or television shows or anything like that. So, but Sony is watching you. My question is: <laughs> Is it really based on preferences, or is Bungie like, hey, why don't you uh, <clears throat> it, put Destiny up there? It could be. It could be either way. Hmm. Um, like on the PS3, I believe nobody. Take my total word on this, but I believe that you could pay for your stuff to, you know, appear in places oh. where it had uh, more visibility than it would have had. <laughs> I, anyway, I'm pretty sure that that happened on Xbox 360 as well. So it's just like ads, really. Yeah. Um, so, I bet it's pretty effective there, though, you know? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, uh, and also for, like, little indie games that don't get a lot of attention. Yeah, that could be It's cool. a good one. Well, not that they have, can afford ads either. So <laughs> <laughs> if it's free, then that would that's a good way for them yeah. to get some attention and Absolutely. get some downloads. Yeah. Um, so there are capes in Minecraft now. You can yeah. have a cape and you can fly. Linda, tell us Seriously. about this. Um, well, it's not quite there yet. Mm. So there's a new update coming out, which they have not released the date for, mm. but it's 1.9, and um, there's going to be a red cape with snazzy white kind of <laughs> decorations on it. Nice. And, um, so that means that you can fly through your creation, and it looks great. The The de- developer released a little video of it mm. and flying around over over your creations, and I don't know. I always liked flying and like in World of yeah. Warcraft because you can get from place to place and see where you're going. And yeah, well, you it's know, cool that feature. would be so helpful in Minecraft, just in survival mode specifically, because you know if you get 
if you wander too far away from your spawning point and you make something and then you die, you go back to the spawn and then、uh, it's really hard to find where you're building your stuff. So if you could fly and get a bird's eye、That'd、view,、cool. yeah, I guess you can't make the cape. You have to find. You have、cape. to find it. Oh, oh like a mystical item. Oh, wow. Wait, isn't、um, Telltale also doing、uh, a Minecraft? They are, and it's coming、yes. out on the thirteenth. Oh, yes,、yeah. it's、Start、a Minecraft、writing. story. Story mode,、yes. <laughs> which if you could think of, you know, I think that Minecraft would be the last game that you would think of to have a story mode.、Um, but apparently, it's cool. Simone, you saw yeah, it. Yeah, well, it's it's so divorced from the Minecraft game as we know it. Like all the in a in a gameplay aspect, it's not divorced at all in terms of references and like the setting and stuff. So you know that you don't have that traditional Minecraft mining stuff,、uh, first person gameplay. It's all. Based on these characters and the adventure that they're having together, so it's a totally, totally original thing, with a lot of Minecraft references thrown in, and I really enjoyed playing it at PAX. So nice,、awesome. and everyone else couldn't get in because the line was too long. Yes, <laughs> that's why I told you guys in the press early access: run, the, run to that Minecraft thing. <laughs> the best、do. advice you've ever given me. <laughs> I've been doing those shows a long time.、Oh、I know if you want to do any press coverage and you've got the opportunity, you run to the big. Biggest thing, always, <laughs> always. Good advice, without fault. Although it's very convenient that they were right next to the Behemoth booth. Yep. The Behemoth always gives the press breakfast <laughs> before PAX, which is very nice. Oh yes, short run. I love them. Yeah, yeah it, it was, was very... it was more of a brisk walk. <laughs> yes, exactly. All of like five feet.、Um, mm-hmm. So, in other news, Legend of Zelda: Symphony of Goddesses.、Um, Which is an or you can help explain. Oh、this. yeah, yeah.、Um, it's coming to the Late Show with Stephen Colbert. So, what is Zelda Orchestra of Goddesses? Well, yeah,、uh, I actually know、um, the former creative producer of the show, or I should say, creative director、uh, Jaron Moore, who、um, conceived of the show Legend of Zelda: Symphony of the Goddesses with um, orchestrator um, Chad Sider, who is also a fellow. Fellow、um, Zelda nerd, <laughs>、um, and、um, yeah, they got together and said, "Let's do you know a live concert of music from、um, all of the Zelda franchise,、mm. uh, beginning with the games, you know, from、uh, the Super Nintendo、right. um, era to all the way up to、um, Skyward Sword." Cool. And、um, the music is incredibly beautiful. They tour the country and.、Um, uh, Basically,、uh, go to each you know city's、uh, orchestra or orchestra hall, concert、right. hall, and、uh, the local players play this、um, you know、uh, pre-made program of music, and、uh, it, they've been wildly successful. Shows selling out, you know,、wow. every single、uh, that is so yeah、cool. showing, and、uh, they treat it. Uh, less like a symphony concert where you know you're supposed to be a little you know prim and proper、right. and、uh, <laughs> um, you know hold your applause until <laughs> the very end of the piece. But、um, they kind of encourage you know if you if you feel like you're、uh, you're really enjoying the symphony and you're, or you're enjoying a sp- specific part of、right. uh, a movement like you.、Uh, You can shout, you can you know, <laughs> holler, and the symphony players are totally not used to that. They're right, just like,、yeah. "What people are? What? what <laughs> But they love it,、um, yeah. At least from what I've heard, and、um, they also have visuals for the show too. So、nice. during each movement of Zelda Symphony of the Goddesses, they play footage from the game、um, that they're featuring、um, musically. Oh, great! And yeah, it's like、cool. they try to weave a narrative. 
um, using footage from that game to fit the music. So it creates this really like emotional, nostalgic uh, uh, experience. experience. Yeah. (laughs) Did they come to Seattle recently? Um, I I, I can't remember the last time they've been to Seattle. They've been to uh, Seattle at least twice. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if they've come a third time. And they're um, going to be on the late show. Yes. Yeah. Wow. They're going to be on the late show now. How they're going to do that? Like it's just going to bring like a small segment of <laughs> symphony artists and do you know, it that it, way. It's certainly possible. Um, they have a few movements that are uh, sort of standalone interludes. Mm-hmm. Um, that are each movement of the bigger movements are about um, seven to ten minutes, I think. Mm-hmm. And the smaller pe- they have smaller pieces as like little crowd pleasers or fan favorites. Right. Yeah. Um, like Gerudo Valley, which is <laughs> one of my personal favorites um, that they play. And so I-, I expect they'd probably have like a chamber orchestra or something. Yeah. It looks like Steven's stage is, is big enough that it could fit a small <laughs> yeah. chamber orchestra. So. I actually haven't watched him since you moved over. Yeah, neither have show. I. I really enjoyed it. I've watched a few episodes so far. Um, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I was really surprised at how well his personality, uh, you know, as regular Stephen Colbert and not right. his, you know, yeah, he's political not persona. The anymore, right? Yeah. right. Yeah. He's he's just Stephen now. <laughs> oh God, that's <laughs> but, so weird. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, he I has. Wonder, I don't know what if I would like that or not. You know, like I love like the whole character yeah. type thing. But you liked it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And he. You know, he's incredibly funny, uh, even without, you know, playing on uh, political yeah. material. Yeah. Um, and he's actually, like, it seems like he's opening up a very welcoming space for uh, guests, not just from, like, the entertainment world or the political world, because he's had, like, Donald Trump on. And, <laughs> um, but he also... So that's both political and entertainment. Yes. <laughs> 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 yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he recently had um, uh, the it was the director of um, uh, No Man's Sky. Oh, um, wait, seriously, No Man's Sky? He's no had Man's a Sky, few, uh, the the one the with like game. the the video game, yeah. like oh. the planets. He's had a few video games. Well, not on this show, but on the Colbert. Anita Sarkeesian was on the Colbert Report. Right. I remember right. that. Yeah. So was Jane McGonigal. So he's he's been very very open to yeah. game you know related things. Although the interview with Jane McGonigal was like. And I knew he was going to start. The, she was the first kind of gaming person that was on there. And he's like, so you play video games? And she's like, yes. He's like, but you're a girl. <laughs> <laughs> like, really? You know. Gotta. gotta but I knew that that was. There. Yeah. It's yeah. part of the persona that he had then. Yes, right? exactly. Yeah. Like, who knew? Yeah. But he's quite an improv guy, I guess. He's got really great training and experience broadly yeah. in entertainment. So yeah. You have yeah, to. He's, yeah. he's, uh, he's going to be great, I think. Yeah, he was really funny on The Daily Show before yeah. he moved over to. So. Mm-hmm. At first I was a little sad that he's going to The Late Show. At first I was like, oh, my God, that's so cool. But then I'm like, I don't want the Colbert Report to go away. <laughs> like, I love that show. So, it was a great show. Yeah, it was. You're not alone. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so music. That gives us a nice, a nice segue into Brax. Lice? You know, lice. Oh, I'm not sure how I feel about that. Did I tell you I had a dream that we all got lice in the Pixel Pin office? <laughs> what? I don't think I told you about it, but I did. It was horrible. <laughs> oh, my God. Awful. I was like, I probably shouldn't tell Nicole about this because this is probably one of her nightmares. But <laughs> yes. yes, my daughter is in preschool. Yes, oh. this is one of my nightmares. No kidding. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I don't have lice. 
So, <laughs> so music. Yeah, so music. I'm sorry. Uh, I mispronounce things all the time, uh, especially when I'm tired because I'm a mom. Uh, so anyhow, so Braxton yeah. knows all about music and music for video games. So first off, why don't you tell people kind of what you've composed and then kind of talk about like how you got started into music in the first place. Yeah, I'd love to talk about it. Um, so um, – the way I got into music originally was uh, through choir in high school, and um, I sung with my my high school chorus. Um, and my choir teacher was really great about exposing us to a variety of music from all kinds of genres. Like we we sang um, Spanish uh, choral tunes, uh, we sang Latin, in Latin, um, but we would also sing music from movies and games. And mm-hmm. um, at that point. Uh, in my um, a childhood, I guess, <laughs> young adulthood, um, I was really interested in movie and game soundtracks uh, as they, I don't know, I felt like as far as music goes, uh, movie and game soundtracks resonate with me very strongly because they have a like narrative and characters and stories tied to the music mm-hmm. and listening to it either, you know, evokes this like n- nostalgic memory of playing games for me or uh it's just a lot of it is just plain beautiful like um a lot of music by Nobuo Uematsu um right. for the Final Fantasy games is gorgeous i would also listen to John Williams and <laughs> right. Danny Elfman um but uh yeah after high school i went to UW and was um an inter- international studies major, but in my free time, I was taking music from the Pokemon video game series and um, orchestrating them with uh, samples on my computer. Nice. And um, uh, I started uploading them to YouTube for other Pokemon fans to listen to. Um, and it started to pick up a lot of traction. I started getting more and more views on my uploads. And um, in 2012, I actually released an album of 78 mu- minutes, 78 minutes of music from Pokemon Red and Blue that I had orchestrated out. Wow. Um, yeah, and uh, it went really well. <laughs> it <laughs> uh, did go really well. Yeah, I know. Uh, a lot of gaming websites picked it up, um, which was crazy and exciting. And um, I'd built up enough of a following that people were telling all their friends about my album. And I got on Pandora and iTunes. Oh and my gosh. Yeah. it was it was a roller coaster of emotion. <laughs> so yeah. Um, and at, after that, I actually got discovered um, by um, a game studio called SkyMap Games, um, working out of New Hampshire. And they said, hey, we love your music. Would you like to, you know, compose original music for our game? Um, And I was like, "Uh, yeah, of course. (laughs) Because I love arranging music, but, you know, my my true passion lies in, you know, finding the next catchy uh, video game tune or theme. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. How are you inspired by, I guess, when when you're creating your original music, do you draw from the, like, Zelda themes that you loved as a kid, Pokemon themes that you loved as a kid? Does that kind of come through in your music, do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that I just lived with those uh, those games so for so mm-hmm. long and, you know, listened to that music on loop forever in my childhood <laughs> that it's just ingrained in my brain, like, all of the melodies and... Um, and being in choir too actually really uh, improved my ear 
mm-hmm. so that I was able to hear like implied harmonies and um, good counterpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, although see, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. So <laughs> I must have done something. Uh, music, 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 <laughs> music, music. I actually didn't understand most of those words until about three years ago too. So <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I actually transferred from UW to Cornish. College of the Arts to... Um, That's what I wanted to know. How did you yeah. learn all this composing yeah. stuff? After I learned, I was after the, the Pokemon album when I was working on that, I was like, you know, I think I don't want to pursue this music thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. It was a sign, maybe. Um, so, uh, yeah, I um, transferred from UW to Cornish in 2012, and um, I'll be graduating at the end of the fall, this oh, fall. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so at the very beginning there, when you were putting together Pokemon themes, in, you were using GarageBand, you said? or Yes. yes. <laughs> so in Back Garage in high Band, school, yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. So, it's free. Of course you use GarageBand. Absolutely. There you go. Yep. So how did you kind of – how much – how did you go about that process of making a song? Because one of the things that really struck me when we were first, when you first finished Pokemon Reorchestrated, and we were having a listening party, and I was really listening to the music, and it struck me like, you know, Braxton, one person put together like all these different layers, and there are all these instruments interacting together. One person did that. Holy crap, that's really hard. <laughs> so, how did that, how did you kind of fall into that process? Um, well, if we're going to go back to the garage band <laughs> days, those were dark times, dark, dark times. Oh, um, I mean, actually, though, garage band is really a fantastic software for um, beginning musicians, um, whether you're a composer or singer or songwriter. Um, and uh, it usually comes with a prepackaged, you know, um, list of instruments that you can uh, software instruments that you can load into GarageBand. And at the time, I happened to have um, the orchestral jam pack, as it was called. <laughs> and <laughs> um, and they had, you know, uh, violins, violas, cellos, um, and all the brass, woodwinds. And so I would just uh, sit there, plug in my MIDI uh, piano keyboard into my laptop and just play sounds in- directly into my computer and uh, you can multi-track um, instruments by uh, – if, if you don't know what multi-track means, it, uh, you can actually record uh, layers of instruments over each other in mm-hmm. time uh, as like separate uh, instruments. And so um, that's how I used to write a lot of my tunes. I would um, you know, start with the melody and like the flute um, and then I would move to a bass instrument like cello or something and then I would play – what I could hear was what I thought sounded good for a bass line, and then I would fill in harmonies um, with the other instruments. Or, you know, it wouldn't necessarily be in that order, but I could record those mm-hmm. those different components of the music separately. And that's what I found really appealing because I wasn't a classically trained musician at that mm-hmm. time when I started out. So uh, layering instruments one by one was a lot more manageable than yeah. trying to think about all of those things at once. And had you the, had, sorry, had you had um, music lessons like piano lessons or did you just teach yourself to play the MIDI? Um, I taught myself originally how oh, to wow. play piano, which was uh, really, <laughs> really hard. <laughs> um, I gotta say, and, but I also didn't push myself too hard in the beginning either like uh the first thing i did to uh 
teach myself piano was I picked up a bunch of like kids um, piano books. Did, <laughs> nice. uh, you're like, okay, uh, so your pinky is five. Uh, you're, you know, I had to learn the numberings for all of my fingers so I could learn how to place my hands on the keyboard. And then um, I picked out a piece from Final Fantasy X to learn. And my very first piece that I played for piano was um, to Xanarkand from Final Fantasy X. Wow. Uh, and it's a gorgeous piece, very simple. But at the time, it took me like, I think, a full month to sit down, label each note with like the letter oh. note because I couldn't really. I was like, you know, every good boy does fine, right, you know, right. trying to. And then uh, yeah. I would be like, oh, okay, so that's a C, that's an A. And then after I was done doing that, I would go in and label the fingerings. Oh and my then gosh. After, they tried to do that yeah. for you a little bit. Like we have this little Sesame Street music book thing that came with a little keyboard on the front of it, mm-hmm. and they do color coding and all kinds of stuff. And it's it's tiny little keys <laughs> so that little hands can actually do it. And it hasn't yeah. actually yeah. used it. <laughs> They're so really helpful. Cool. Yeah. yeah, that's starting young. <laughs> I wouldn't have been able to do it without those. And yeah, I think if if you. If you want to get your child into music, you know, those books are a fantastic resource. But isn't that uh, one of the strengths of video games, I think, is that you're so invested in the game and you are in love with the game world. So you're more motivated maybe to work on the music. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like um, I couldn't imagine, you know, picking up a a Chopin piece or something. (laughs) My first piano piece that I'd be learning that would be a terrible idea anyway, though, because Chopin's really hard. <laughs> um, or, you know, Mozart, you know, some simple Mozart. Because the the classical world of music, um, despite, you know, all the innovations and great music that has come out of it, has this, you know, reputation for, I don't know, pretension. And yeah. um, it's it's hard to disassociate that pretension from the music, even if it is good music. But when you... But when I think of game music, you know, I, I think of all those fond memories of, you know, sitting in front of my GameCube playing uh, Pokemon Coliseum or something. And I think of the music that was playing in the background the whole time. And uh, and when I go to the piano, you know, I'm more inspired to, like, try and figure out what that tune was I was listening to in mm-hmm. the game and trying to play it by ear on the piano or finding sheet music and, and learning to mm-hmm. play that. And I think that's how a lot of um, piano teachers get kids to um, learn piano is they'll say, hey, you know, pick a classical tune that, you know, will improve your technique and then pick something, you know, that you like from yeah. a game soundtrack Great or idea. movie yeah. soundtrack. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. Very cool. So you were talking earlier about, like, this is how you compose a song when you had no classical training. And now you've gone to Cornish. Right. So what has changed since you so actually got much. training. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. It's it's really hard actually to go back and listen to some of my old pieces because <laughs> now I have, you know, this classical training uh, like that's been drilled into me like you have to have good voice leading and, uh, good, <laughs> you know, uh, no parallel fifths. Um, <laughs> but, uh, um, and now I just hear them all the time and I'm just like screaming. But uh, no, um being in school taught me a lot about uh, formal proportions. Like um, when I write a, when I used to write pieces, I would start a start it out almost as if like uh, 
I would start writing little fragments of a piece and I would start mm-hmm. streaming, stringing them together. And they wouldn't always like sound coherent by the end of it because, <laughs> you know, they were kind of composed in fragments. And um, by the time I, you know, uh, my junior year hit, um, I was taking classes on learning classical forms um, like uh, binary form, ternary form, basically uh, the terms for pieces, you know, that have shorter sections all pieced together and learning, you know, what material connects all of them. So like you have a melody or something in the first section of the piece, and then you can take that melody and transform it in a way that, you know, it becomes the baseline in the next section or something, oh. or you change the intervals slightly so that they, you know, it they shrink or something. And um, music essentially became like uh, – as I was in school, it became like a giant puzzle learning how to make sense out of uh, all of this material because you can you can write a crazy amount of music by coming up with a bunch of ideas, but the real challenge is taking like just a few simple ideas mm-hmm. and you know uh, stringing them out over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like the difference between having a conversation about a single topic with someone versus just rambling on and on and on, (laughs) which I'm probably doing right now. No, no, no. Um, This is great. That was, (laughs) I'd say that's one of the biggest things I learned in school, but also um, very technical stuff like theory, um, tonal harmony and counterpoint. Counterpoint is one of my favorite things. And that sounds super. counterpoint to us, please. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds super pretentious um, because it's it's from the Baroque. Well, I mean, counterpoint existed um, pre-Baroque, but um, it's basically uh, two. Think of it basically like contra, um, you know, against point, uh, you know, they're basically like two musical lines against each other. Mm. So if you think of a basic melody and the harmonies, the the harmonies are acting as counterpoint to the melody because they're playing notes that may have the notes from the melody in them, but also contain other notes. Mm. And they're providing like, you know, a bed or a texture for the melody to sit against. Mm. Um, but uh, counterpoint is also the practice of... Um, it's so hard to explain. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Um, uh, imagine you have like uh, two separate melodies and you compose them so that one fits within the other and vice versa and you have them playing at the same time and imagine it's just those two voices and together they form the harmony and the rhythm of the piece without having any other instruments. Mm. Often that was uh, very common um, to hear in uh, the music of uh, J.S. Bach. Um, and it's, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it was super complicated and ornate back then. It's it's a lot less, um, it, it's kind of di- diluted now with like pop music and stuff. It's usually just melody and then chords, chords, chords. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, So are you using counterpoint in any of your current pieces that you're doing for video games, for yeah, instance? Yeah, um, I really enjoy using it in um, composing music for uh, the game I'm working on currently called Bacon Man, An, <laughs> an Adventure. Um, wow, that sounds <laughs> wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> it's about uh, a guy made of bacon um, nice. who gets framed 
examined for the death of uh, his grandfather, Old King Roast Beef, (laughs) (laughs) by the other food kings. And so he has to go on a quest for revenge against the food kings to reclaim his honor or restore his honor. Yeah. the way I use counterpoint in Bacon Man is uh, I'll have some themes um, going on in a piece, and sometimes I will take that theme and layer it against itself, um, but I'll I'll transpose it, meaning like I'll take the root note of the melody and drop it down, you know, uh, a fifth or something, and I'll have it ongoing playing against the top melody, but it's uh, slightly tweaked in a way that uh, it works with the chord progressions that I have going on. And, um, or, or, you know, I, if you... I'm trying to think of a, a sim- more simple analogy for counterpoint because uh, uh, it's, it's a very difficult subject, but if you imagine, you know, a pop song where... Um, I don't know. Name a pop song. What, what What's one of your favorite pop songs on the radio? Literally right the only one that came to mind is Cool for the Summer by Demi Lovato, and I feel so ashamed of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. Cool for the Summer. Um, don't tell your mother. <laughs> so imag- So every time she says, da-da-da-da-da, oh. there's like a space in between the next thing she's yeah. going to say, and whatever happens in the space between that can be counterpoint. Um, because, uh, yeah, essentially anything that isn't the melody is acting as some kind of counterpoint okay. to whatever the main tune is. Mm-hmm. Um, Those sound yeah. like really great techniques for video games. <laughs> yeah. No. Counterpoint, you know, to provide emphasis and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Do you play the games mm-hmm. that you're um, writing music for? Do you play them yeah. a lot to try to get what – the music needs the to be. I, uh, when I started out writing music, I'd, I, I'd like to steer away the, the discussion away from counterpoint. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, do, I'm failing to explain it. So I appreciate the... It's okay. Uh, <laughs> I believe that you know how to use it. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. No, it's, it's one thing to know and one thing to teach. Um, but yeah, I, I, I try to play the games as much as I can. Um, for Bacon Man, I didn't get to play the game until about three or four months. Um, uh, until I was, or three or months, three or four months into the project, and um, by then I had like uh, composed, I think, two or three themes, and um, the way I was working with the team then was they would show me uh, concept art or uh, screenshots from uh, the game to give me a better idea of the environments that I was, you know, trying to embody in the music. Um, so, like, the first level, the freezer, which is where Bacon Man is, <laughs> uh, has been thrown into exile <laughs> with the other frozen meats, um, <laughs> is, uh, is composed to um, sort of evoke, I don't know, um, cold, you know, icicle, you know, I don't know, kind of dangerous um, sounding Um and the visuals that they sent me were really awesome. I got to see the uh, environments they were building in uh, the Unreal Engine. Um, eventually, I did get to play the game um, at MAGFest. Um, I think it was 2014, 2013 or 2014. And uh, I, fi- I got to meet the team because originally we met on the internet, nice. which yeah. is so strange that yeah. I'm like working remotely for this <laughs> game company over in New Hampshire. and. Yeah. I'm here in Seattle writing tunes for them, and we we Skype a lot. You know, we we try to communicate every single day 
to make sure um, all of our goals are Did uh, anything achieved. change when you finally played the game after having worked on it for three or four months? I, I, I think my appreciation for the team really grew because mm-hmm. um, uh, seeing the game footage, you know, I was like, wow, you know, the graphics are really impressive. Um, but I wasn't sure how gameplay felt. It's really hard to imagine <laughs> how fun a game can be, especially a side scroller or a platformer, yeah. until I've actually played it and experienced mm-hmm. the physics and um, the physicality yeah. of the game myself. And then when I finally got to sit down and play it, I was like, wow, this game is it's, it's kind of challenging. Um, it's fun. There's a lot of wall hopping. Um, there are a bunch of like... Uh, uh, Bacon Man has a bunch of combat moves, and you can use different <laughs> combos to defeat enemies. Um, you know, you can throw enemies in the water, and they turn into ice cubes that you can like jump on as platforms to nice, the next nice. area. So there was a lot of intricacies there that I didn't get to experience by just watching. So mm-hmm. I I did feel like, in terms of appreciation for the game, yeah, I, yeah, I think. The thing that really strikes me always about your 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 rise to <laughs> who you are today is how deeply rooted in fan culture and internet culture it was because you got your start on YouTube and having the the fans responding to your music was what kind of spurred you on to make more music, right? Right. So I don't do you have any feelings <laughs> on like on fandom yeah. in general? Um, it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can say that now because, mm-hmm. you know, that's how I made a living yeah, originally. Because yeah. you had a Kickstarter, right, for the first album? Yes. Or, yeah. Um, yeah, the uh, first Pokemon album that I did, um, I raised funds through Kickstarter to um, hire live musicians mm-hmm. and upgrade uh, my sound equipment because at that time I was composing music on my laptop and I was like, I need a real computer for this. <laughs> um, and by the time the game came out, you know, the more than anything, it was the fans that made it, mm-hmm. you know, such a success. It was people telling their friends, hey, you know, look at this album that this guy made, uh, you know, that uh, relates to my, uh, you know, their experiences mm-hmm. as Pokemon trainers traveling across the Kanto region, you know. <laughs> I tried to, uh, whenever I do arrangements, in fact, from any video game, I try to um, internalize uh, and empathize with other um, players, like their experiences and what they might have felt at any point in an, in mm-hmm. a game like Pokemon, and try to bring that out in the track somehow. Like currently, um, I'm working on um, music from Pokemon Gold and Silver, and the first track, one of the first tracks I'm I'm working on is called Newbark Town, which is your starting town. And uh, a lot of people have a lot of feelings and a lot of feels about that town because it's like <laughs> sleepy, cute, you know, town in the countryside where your Pokemon journey begins and people yeah. think of it as like, oh, home sweet home. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I try to, you know, bring out that kind of lushness and, um, I don't know, beauty in my mm-hmm. orchestrations of it. And people seem to respond to it really well. Um and I think, yeah, the fact that I'm I'm able to relate to mm-hmm. other players and their experiences and acknowledge them through my music is um, is what has connected us. And yeah, I feel like yeah, <laughs> it's so special <laughs> that we can share this collective experience about Pokemon and um, have that you know conversation mm-hmm. through my music. Yeah. 
Of the tracks that you composed for Pokemon, uh, what do you think was the most difficult one for you? Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) There are so many. Um, uh, From the first album, would you say? Sure, let's narrow it down. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, I think one of the most challenging tracks I worked on from the first album was probably uh, the final battle theme mm-hmm. um, between uh, Pokemon oh, yeah. Trainer Red and Pokemon Trainer Blue, uh, who is your rival throughout the entire game. And he's kind of like, you know, the the bully character. <laughs> he's constantly like going, neener, 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 always <laughs> like two steps ahead of you. Um, and by the end of the game, you know, you, you reach the champion's chamber and you defeat him and he's like, ah, congratulations, you beat the Elite Four. You would, you would be the Pokemon champion if it (laughs) weren't for your rival who got here first. And you're like, no! (laughs) Darth Vader, no! (laughs) Um, Please don't remind us of that. (laughs) (laughs) We'll just pretend those prequels didn't exist. Yes. But, um, yeah, the challenging part was um, pacing the entire soundtrack to not, like, outshine that track because the – which is really, really hard because the tendency in video game music in general, um, at least for for composers, I feel, is to fall back on this epic, you know, grandiose Mm -hmm. style that's uh, – you know, kind of like the music of uh, Hans Zimmer for, you know, The Dark Knight. Um, he sort of set that aesthetic as, yeah. well, it wasn't it wasn't his fault um, <laughs> that people are, like, copying him now, but a, a lot of producers really liked that kind of action-y, dramatic, epic sound and wanted it for all of their movies and, and games. And so a lot of composers feel like they have to compose music like that in order to be successful. Mm. And granted, you know, I've written music like that for Bacon Man and for Pokemon, but um, when it's all action all the time, you know, it's it's really monotonous and there's less of mm-hmm. an impact. So I tried to pace the whole album to lead up to this one giant climactic moment. And when I finally got to it, it was such a nightmare to orchestrate because... <laughs> All of the tracks I'd worked on up to that point were kind of restrained and some epic moments, but they were short-lived. And then by the time you get to the end, it's like I'm throwing everything (laughs) and the kitchen sink um, orchestration-wise. And um, it was a real challenge just uh, trying to compose lines for every single instrument of the orchestra and playing with counterpoint in ways that made it sound really frenetic and crazy and intense. Like, you know, every John Williams, uh, score, <laughs> lots of strings flying. And then all of a sudden you hear brass go, bum, bum, bum. <laughs> and then, and woodwinds going, and that's a good example of counterpoint. John Williams, you know, yeah. in oh. Indiana Jones or something, you know, you hear like all of these crazy splashes of sound against one another. And that's, that's kind of counterpoint. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Good. We can we can tie that <laughs> <laughs> that loose end up. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh my gosh. So, what do you think about all the music games, like your rock band and Guitar oh, Hero? And um, I think they're really fun, especially for um, you know people who don't play video games a lot, or you know are more into you know uh, 
listening to music like right. that. Um, it, I think it's a fun experience. Um, I know our friend Brad really enjoys yeah. playing um, rock band. And oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's incredibly good at it. Um, <laughs> I, I haven't been a fan myself just because uh, I'm not a huge fan of all of the music that's right. in those games. I'm much... <laughs> You'd rather play an orchestral <laughs> yeah, or the <laughs> Fantasia, maybe. And there I we go. Know, Fantasia like is awesome. Okay. <laughs> just you just that totally that play it. Yes. I really do. Um and uh I do like Tycho Drum Master though. That's that's a fun one. <laughs> it's more the, of an arcade game. The Wii game? Um, the... It, they might be it might be on the Wii. I play it down at Gameworks oh, okay, like downtown. Okay. They have like the two Never giant mind. Tycho drums and you have to play in time with the music. <laughs> Oops. Um and uh yeah, I think rhythm games are really fun. Uh, there's this uh, other one that I've seen gameplay of but haven't been able to play it is Sound Shapes, mm-hmm. um, which is like a, a side-scrolling platformer with music uh, by all kinds of artists. Um, I think Beck like composed music for a level. Huh. Each Each artist contributes music for a level in the game, and the lyrics inform... The game mechanics of the level. Oh wow! And, and so, like, I think in the Beck level or something, he's singing about like draw uh, bombs dropping or something, or like a war, and there are literal bombs dropping in time with the music. And so, oh, you cool. have to kind of listen oh, wow. to the music in order to anticipate, you know, when obstacles or projectiles are going to fall, and then you know, avoid them, which I think is really innovative and cool. Yeah, that's that awesome. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like Fantasia quite a bit. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. yeah. So what do you think about those games as, like, kind of a starting point for people to, like, get into music? Oh, yeah. They're – oh, getting into music, yeah. Um, (laughs) I think uh, more so the, like, rock bands and um, Guitar Hero are probably good gateways into – um, <laughs> maybe picking up a real instrument and trying to learn the song um, because, you know, I think once people sort of understand the, the, the tactile feeling of, like, holding a, right. a guitar, you know, they might feel more comfortable picking up a real guitar and producing, you know, the s- real sounds. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I haven't read any... I haven't read into it too much, yeah. but I assume mm-hmm. that... Yeah, last yeah. rock band, Rock Band Three, had an actual um, guitar. Oh, the pro guitar oh, wow. that you could yeah. buy that would kind of teach you. Oh, that's you know, really cool on, on real mm-hmm. guitar. Um, I know they. Ha- I know there are some actual games that teach you how to play music. Like I think uh, I can't think of any at the moment. But <laughs> I've yeah. heard from people, uh, drummers at least, the drums in Rock Band are. Because you can't really, there's nothing, you're not extrapolating too far there. You're hitting a thing on in time with the right. beat. Yeah. It's just like playing real drums. Yeah, and so. they have cymbal sets too yeah. that are yeah. color-coded. So. Oh, yeah. 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 So if you can drum in rock band, yes. you, you, can, a, you can drum IRL. Go ahead yes. and spend $1,000 <laughs> on a drum set in real life. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, I had another question for you, but I don't remember what it is. All right. Well, I think that the rock band, first of all, thanks for being here, Braxton. Oh, yeah. But we're going to trans. Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for Uh, having me. Move into our our next segment, which is talk about what we're playing. And so we got Rock Band 4. Obviously, we love rock band. My husband uh, used to play in a band. And so obviously, 
you know, we got that right away. So it's funny, we were playing that and I was doing uh, bass, which I typically do, which you do the regular guitar controller and it's like, had to like learn to reprogram <laughs> my fingers to hit the different buttons. It was weird because like I used to be really, really good, but like those neural pathways or whatever <laughs> had gotten shut down. They've decayed. Yeah. yeah. And then so now I had to redo it. But it was fun. 95 of our downloadable songs loaded directly into the game. Wow. And that's nowhere near <laughs> the amount that we bought. Um, but they're they're kind of rolling them out. Like they've got a bunch of your old DLC mm. that's ready now and they're going to keep working on it. Um, it was really cool. The only problem was that we have the adapter for the – so we can use 360 instruments for Xbox One. And that adapter was kind of – Hit or miss, Ooh. which was, yeah, it was kind of irritating. In terms of, like, lag while you're playing the song or? No, just in terms of, like, getting the instruments to Oh, to, to recognize? Work, or, like, having two profiles sign in oh. at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I would want to sign in as my profile doing bass and mm-hmm. Isaac would want to sign in as drums or vocalist or whatever. So we can both get achievements, you yeah. know. <laughs> you have to do it that way. But as soon as you tried to sign in a second player, it would just kick everybody out. Oh. Yeah, which was kind of annoying. So yeah. we ended up just playing as Isaac on everything because he's the one who oh. has to have the <laughs> control of everything. <laughs> always player one, um, which is funny. Our best man at our wedding, you know, when he was giving his speech, said that, you know, I'm Chris. And as Isaac likes to call me, player two. <laughs> <laughs> so, um so yeah, so that was. Has funny. Anna joined you in Rock Band? She she hasn't actually. Well, you know what? I think my husband loaded up Rock Band three or one of them and gave her the microphone. <gasps> she got a hold of the microphone in that game and realized that her voice could be a lot louder. No, if she <laughs> sang into it. <laughs> so so yeah, she was she's trying to sing um, a little bit, uh, which is cool, and she. Um, she likes to bang on the drums. The drums were always sort of out in mm-hmm. our rec room because there's not a good place to put them unless yeah. you want to take them all apart. And we didn't want to do that because we we're like, oh, hey, you know, we might we might do rock <laughs> band again. So um, we didn't very much, but we did sometimes. <laughs> um, so yeah, so she would bang on them. It was a uh, it was sometimes a, a, a chase to get her to. Uh, give back the drumsticks <laughs> because they're d- real drumsticks and we don't want her to hurt herself oh, no. with the real drumsticks by running around with them. Um, Poke so, your eye yeah. out. Exactly. You'll, yeah. Yeah. You'll shoot saying. your eye out. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, Yeah. So, so that's cool. I'm very excited to, to be playing rock band again. And then Alpha Bear, I am. I still need to level up my bear. Oh my God, it is so hard at the level I am at. It is so hard. I'm on that level too. Fairy tale. Right? The fairy tale one. Yes. It's crazy. How? What? Exactly. <laughs> How? Yeah. I don't get it. it I, is... I keep trying. I. I guess you just keep leveling up your your bears, bears. until you yeah. get like five thousand. I know. Percent I mean, or they're something. they're really like they seem like they're awesome bears. They're like a twenty four hundred you know percent final score plus like something for three letter words or you know all the uh-huh. kind of stuff. Wait, so how does Alpha Bear work? I've seen I follow the developers on Twitter, but I <laughs> oh, yeah. just because I've seen the screenshots and it looks super cute. Okay, <laughs> so Why it's a word. Playing? It's a it's a word game in which you oh. earn these bears, and each bear has a different kind of uh, boost that it could give you. Like it can raise your final score. It's kind of like Scrabble. Like okay. the words have a certain um, numeric value, which count 
counts down um, as you submit words. Um, mm. So you get bears with these different booths and you can use them and their levels and they're super cute. Um, <laughs> and we've all been playing it um, for a while. So that's why we're at such high a level. And it's so hard. It oh, is so, so hard. hard. Oh, my <laughs> I'm like 223. Thousand points? Are you yes, kidding me? Exactly. Whoa. Like, how do you get that many? Yeah. And then the the frozen letters too. The yeah. frozen letters oh, drive me nuts. <laughs> we should write in to them. <laughs> They've been very responsive. <laughs> they have. I'm still irritated that the bears don't give you coins anymore. Yeah, mm. you just get a regular thing of coins once a day. Um, and then it's like you know you're kind of you're stuck for that day. Yeah. Like you go do the. Uh, the, ch- the event that you have to pay for in They're coins. just trying to keep you oh. from playing yeah. your games all day I long, know. Nicole. They know you they have need- stuff to do. <laughs> I understand. They need to make money, so they need to change these things. Like, if you can play the game really without spending money, then that's kind oh of a bad thing for that type of game. Mm-hmm. Um, well, but- I just think they need to check their progression plan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that is kind of little- true. Although, yeah. if you scroll through um, the bear collection, there are only nine chapters. So they probably don't want people to get through them too quickly. Yeah. Yeah, well, that ain't going to (laughs) happen. Some people devote their lives to alpha bears. My boyfriend, my boyfriend Peter, is currently playing Pokemon Shuffle, which sounds a lot like Alpha Bear. I don't know if Courtney's talked about Pokemon Shuffle or not. I've played it a little bit, but I found the um, the time between turns to be a little. A little worse than most games. It's like half an hour or yeah, something. It's Whereas like Candy, yeah, Candy Crush is like five minutes, where oh, Pokemon gosh. Shuffle is like thirty minutes. So yeah, I stopped playing it very quickly because of that. So um. oh. yeah, I, normal people I think experience that. Peter, on the other hand, <laughs> you know, he's just waiting. Yeah, I'm like, well. I mean, I guess it, that would keep you from overplaying. That was always my argument about Alpha Bear is that, you know, if you can't – if you don't have that compulsion to go back and check like every five minutes where with Candy Crush, it's like, I just put the phone down. But by now I could probably play another <laughs> round. You're on it all the time and then you burn out so quickly. So yeah, I don't know. But, but there's got to be a happy medium in there some somewhere. Some of those really good bears, though, have very short naps. Ooh. So you're really tempted <laughs> – <laughs> to just, you know, play a couple rounds with your terrible bears, knowing that you'll get a blue and at least you'll get a leveled up bear and then go back and try Whoa. again with your really good bears, which is like, you know, I go into all of the time. It's just like, okay, I, I lost this level, you know, whatever. I'll go play some, you know, whatever, some throwaway ones. And then I get back and I'm like, hmm, maybe <laughs> if I have this combination of bears, it You need work. help. <laughs> I know, I do need help. <laughs> Um, yeah. Alpha Bear Intervention. For yes. <laughs> it's a word game, though, you know? It's like, good for you, right? Yes, yeah. exactly. Actually, you know, pretty much all games can be good for you in some way. Um, so the other game, obviously, that I've been playing is Hearthstone. Wow. I know. It's so surprising. Um, that is an example of a free-to-play game where you actually do not have to spend money because it's multiplayer and you're adding to the community. Um, and that's how Blizzard is making $20 million a month. Oh, my gosh. 
on it. I believe it's $20 million Wait, a month. How t- are they making money on this? <laughs> <laughs> well, you can buy extra packs of cards, but the packs are randomized. So even if you buy them oh, as opposed to using your in-game currency to get them, you know, there's no uh, there's no chance that you're going to get better cards just because you paid money for it. But they also do have single-player campaigns that you can get cards from, and those cost money to do those, uh, which is like the only way that I've spent money in the game. Um but yeah, apparently there are lots of people who like to buy extra packs of cards. Oh, they all, they also have different hero or different skins for oh, your yeah, hero. Duh. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I saw I saw some of those. So I played some uh, some of those a little bit. I haven't seen them very much, um, so I don't think they're making a lot of money on those. But the, you know they're re- they're really pretty, you know, yeah. the skins. But like, eh, I don't <laughs> understand why you would spend money just so you're. Your guy like has an animation that <laughs> that other people don't have. Yeah, but, yeah. but it actually is funny. Um, Steve Lubitz posted on Twitter yesterday that he had hit the one thousand games played mark, um, and I'm like, oh wow, I haven't even had that. And then I'm like, wait a second. Yes, I have. <laughs> I'm like, I've got way more than that. I have two heroes that are gold, which means I won. 500 games for each of them. Oh, that doesn't oh, count gosh. how many I've lost so that I could actually get to 500. So, yeah, oh, no. so I've played a lot more games than that. Oh, so. no. Uh, yeah. I'm just gonna, no wonder you don't watch TV. You know what? I, I you prioritize I'm, your game time. I much yeah. would rather be playing games yep. than watching yep. TV mm-hmm. really, for the most part. Um, and we've been playing some Castle Crashers. Anna asked, asked to play it a lot. Like yeah. my husband, you know, we loaded his save. And so he's got all the different characters unlocked. So there's some of them that, you know, look like your enemies, but you can play as once oh, you beat yeah. everything. So she's always talking about well, this morning, like when she got out of bed, she's like, Mommy, there's a guy in the crashes, Castle Crashers that looks like the bad guy, but you can play him. It's his costume. <laughs> like literally right out of bed. Like I had go into her room, wake her up because she has to go to school. Sort of like she whines because she doesn't want to get up. So I just pull her out and I, I hold her in my lap for a little bit. And like it took like two seconds. And she started talking about Castle Crashers. Boy. And I'm she's like, just pondering this. And I know. Maybe she lying had a dream, in bed thinking, a dream you know, about it or like something. like the bad guy. <laughs> I know. It was amazing. I was just like, because usually she's really, really whiny and she doesn't stop whining. Like until, I don't know, she probably keeps whining on her way to school. My husband takes this, her, so I don't know. It occurs to me that this might be the first generation of born gamers. Maybe. She's <laughs> born to two gamers here. So she's a yes. gamer, right? Right From off the, the bat, go. yeah, <laughs> purebred. Yeah, she, <laughs> yeah, she was using the iPad at a year, so yeah. Um, yeah. But it was just funny to me, like really. That's great. first thing in the morning. We're talking about Anna. Castle Crash. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so that's that's what I've been playing. Cool. How about you, Linda? Um, that stupid Alpha Bear game. <laughs> um, yeah, that's about all. I I did go this weekend instead of playing games. I went to the Martian movie. Oh, the Martian. Oh, yeah. That's the Matt other Damon. thing I don't get to do anymore. <laughs> yeah, oh. yeah, that'll that'll come back one of these days. You'll be able to go <laughs> yeah. back to the movies. Well, I was able to go to Inside Out because I could take her with me. So yeah. maybe as we're moving into the holiday season, there will be other appropriate movies <laughs> that I can take her to see. There so, will be. Yeah. yeah, but The Martian was really good. I had, um, I'd become a freak about the book. I had 
probably given it to all my relatives and then harangued them until they read it because I loved well, it. I should I, read it. I thought it was so good. And um, the movie is great. The movie is one of those adaptations that really does a good job. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So yeah. I liked it a lot. Yeah. I shouldn't say I don't watch any TV. I do watch Game of Thrones. Not when it's on TV, but like after the fact. Of yeah. all they, the shows that you could watch with a three-year-old. I mean, obviously you don't watch it with her. <laughs> Game of Thrones. Anyhow. So they're at the point now where um, – or they're a little past the point where the books, in my opinion, have gotten really bad. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so the show is doing it better than the books, which is – like I told that to my husband and he's like, what? Like really? <laughs> I know some people who would fight you over that, but I don't know because I stopped <laughs> watching the show. <laughs> yeah. No. The show is good. It yeah. is good. Books yeah. one through three are fabulous. Fabulous. Four – Terrible. They have pacing problems. Yes, they have huge pacing problems. Uh, all right, I'm not going to get yeah. on the Game of Thrones tangent here. We're talking about games, not books. Maybe we can have a special episode about books. I'm sure we yeah. would have plenty to yeah. talk about. Oh, yeah. So I interrupted you, Linda. I'm sorry. Um, that the was Martian. it. I, I do want to just put in a plug that we do have a question from a viewer. We do? Yes. Did it just come? Um, it came a couple days ago. It's from Estevan. Oh, and yeah. it's a really long email saying how great we are. Yes. Oh, Do you remember yes, that? I remember, and I, I'm so sorry, okay, Esteban. So I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say that the question he had was, what, not what our favorite game is, but what is our favorite go-to game? And maybe we can just go oh. around quickly after Simone yeah. talks about what she's playing in Braxton, too. Yeah. 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 Thanks for okay. reminding me. Yes. <laughs> I know. It was a long, wonderful, I didn't want to forget letter. because he's so, he's so nice. Yeah. <laughs> and I did get it, and I totally – I'm, like, so used to us not having letters that it has just not occurred to me. Yeah, well, he's, he's adorable. Well, I got and his letter tattooed it. on my back, yeah. so. <laughs> and it would have all fit on your back? Like, yeah. wow. Okay. Tiny font. Okay. Yeah. Nine point font. Uh, this week, I, I've been playing a lot of Disney Infinity because that is what I am reviewing right now. A little little late. I finished Skylander Superchargers, and I, I loved it. And I, I explained my reservations about that last episode. Disney Infinity is causing me angst. <laughs> As I was explaining before we started the podcast, uh, it crashed on me last night and deleted my entire save file, which, oh. in my opinion, should not happen. Like, usually when a game crashes on me, it'll restore from the last auto save. But in right. this case, like, it not only deleted what I had done that night, it deleted what I had done, like, through all time, <laughs> I had to. I literally booted the game up, and it took me back to the intro sequence. And I was oh like, God. "Really, oh. really, you're doing this to me?" I was furious. I'm trying not to let that mm. color my review of it because I, you know, I don't think it's like an ongoing issue that it's going to be yeah. crashing on everyone's consoles, and you know, yeah, sometimes bugs like that just <sighs> slip through. Yeah. And yeah, our PS4 is pretty full, so <laughs> maybe that's, <laughs> that's what we've it was. Talked about. Yeah, yeah, it's all those Dragon Age videos. <laughs> but yeah, it's I still have that same feeling about Disney Infinity where there's so much potential, like so many things that you can do. And I love some of the new stuff, like the farming. I adore uh, having Mabel from Gravity Falls as my sidekick. Love that. <gasps> what? I know. What? <laughs> She's wonderful. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, but it's just like still when I'm playing it, I just feel like it's so empty and I am so empty. <laughs> like it makes me feel really sad in the same way that like 
when you're playing Minecraft single player and you have that whole world to explore, but you don't really have an idea of what you want from it, it can, and there's that like sad instrumental music playing in the background <laughs> and you're like, I am all alone in the world and there is oh. no one here but me. And that's the way I feel about Disney Infinity. <laughs> A lot of the time when I'm playing in the toy box is like, you know, I boot up an empty world in the toy box and I'm like, I could build something, but the build controls are like painful to me, physically painful to use. It's not like The Sims where it's super easy to build a house. It's like, You know, uh, it's kind of funny to me about the toy box because I know that they kind of were inspired by that. There was like a toy box type mode mm -hmm. in Toy Story 3. Mm. Um, I don't like Toy Story at all. I don't like the movies. <gasps> I, I was, I think I reviewed the game or whatever. Cool. No, <laughs> they're, they're, they're like the only Pixar Get movies out. I don't like. Anyhow, um, so the Toy Story 3 had like a toy box-ish mode, but there would be like people like giving you challenges on yeah. the things that you built. So hmm. once you built something, you had like a challenge to do. And so I wonder why they took away that type of gameplay. Well, in the tutorials, uh, the tutorials that I've been playing in the toy box mode do have that. Like I did a, a Star Wars one, which I'm not going to mention this in my review, so you're getting it exclusively here. <laughs> the actor that they got to play C-3PO is so bad. Oh, oh. No. It's the worst C-3PO impression I've ever heard. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, anyway, so there's a Star Wars kind of tutorial where they're teaching you how to build things. So you're like, oh, it's a chasm. I have to put a bridge across it. And that's teaching you how to use the toy box tools. But I don't know. It's just it's not I feel like there there needs to be a middle ground there between just like the tutorials, which are very, you know, step by step walking you through and then letting me loose in my interior. Mm -hmm. And I'm like trying to place kitchen counters and they're not lining up correctly with the wall. And it's really hard to like not get a tiny minuscule little gap in there. And then I'm like, well, what? Why am I doing this? That happens in The Sims, though, too. Like I would have this whole idea in my mind. Yeah. I want to do a room and then find out that. One of the kitchen counter things, it's just, it's not going to work with the others. They've gotten better about that. Yeah. But the islands, the islands in the kitchen, still terrible. <laughs> like, they just don't fit together right, anyhow. Ugh. Ruining, yeah. ruining well, the yes. feng shui of your yes. kitchen. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Imagine that times a thousand, and then you have Disney <laughs> Infinity's toy box mode. And I feel so bad, because I do think that it is a really important tool and I think that I, I can imagine kids really enjoying it and we because you know, I think they have in some ways more patience to kind of fiddle around with that more patience but then also like not as much perfectionism as is inherent in me as a 25 year old now um, to just kind of make things and see how they fit together and have fun with that um, for me it's it's agony <laughs> <laughs> anyway that's what I've been playing yeah, Braxton, agony <laughs> um, speaking of agony uh, I haven't technically been playing but I've been watching my roommate Annie play Until Dawn mm. um, which is a terrifying mm. horror game <laughs> um, it has a bunch of uh, I don't know, like A-list or maybe B-list <laughs> actors. Uh, there's Hayden Panettiere. Oh, um, and Rami Malek is in it. And Rami Malek um, and the guy who plays Grant Ward from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> <laughs> uh, playing, a, a, I think, a college sophomore or yeah, junior or yeah. something, <laughs> which is a little weird. I don't um, – we immediately distrusted his character just because, <laughs> you know, he was a Hydra agent in, in S.H.I.E.L.D., <laughs> But um spoilers. Oh, spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um but um yeah, oh my gosh, the game was 
like I, I was kind of expecting it to be, you know, every other uh, horror game I've seen Let's Plays of on on YouTube, like you know, Slender or uh, something in that vein. Um, but it was actually quite different, and also the motion capture that they did for the actors, um, both you know, facially and you know, body wise, like was done really well. I yeah. almost I felt so immersed in the environments. Um, uh, that when they had like all of like every single jump scare would <laughs> was perfectly timed and yeah. I was wetting my pants. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, nice. the the interesting part about that game is um, it's it, it played a lot like a Telltale game. Um, mm-hmm. There were a lot of like quick time events that would happen, um, and a lot of them had consequences too. So if you you know, uh, didn't, uh, like, I'm trying to think of some scenes. Well, like, you, the point of the game is to foster these relationships uh, between your friends who all return to this cabin after a tragic incident that happened the year before. Um, so on the anniversary, they all decide to go back to the cabin. <laughs> Obviously, where, that's a bad idea. Like, you know, we we need to reconcile this. And they're like, let's have some fun, you know, out in the <laughs> middle of the woods on this giant mountain. Um, and, of course, everything goes wrong. Um, <laughs> and so the, the, the point of the game is to, uh, you know, make these choices uh, that uh, build – Certain, build on certain relationships with uh, members of your friend group or, uh, you know... Uh, kill tarn- everyone. <laughs> or kill everyone. <laughs> uh, basically, the bad ending is like, you know, everyone, all of your friends die from um, things that I probably don't want to spoil. Because um, <laughs> um, uh, it's not... It doesn't... Oh, yeah, <laughs> the bad ending is pretty bad. Um, but... Yeah, uh, basically all of your choices in the game determines who lives and who dies by the end of the game. Very cool. So it plays – there are a lot of horror movie tropes that are fairly predictable. There are a few um, times where they, uh, you know, put a spin on the trope and lots of plot twists. So you don't always – you're not quite sure which tropes they're going to (laughs) throw at you. (laughs) You're like, oh, it's this trope. And then they flip it around like, ah, no, just kidding. It was this trope. Um, really enjoyable though. Um, I stayed up until two watching Annie oh, finish it, and then Annie. I had a hard time uh, sleeping after that. I think <laughs> yeah. I like tried good to, to put... know because I'm so <laughs> tempted by it, but then I'm like, no, for for the good of my health, <laughs> <laughs> it's right. good. Don't yeah, try to not play it uh, too late at night. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Yeah, yes. you do want to sleep. Okay, so our question: go to games. Our go to my go to game is Hearthstone, obviously because. <laughs> It, you know, matches take like 10 minutes and, you know, you're done. It's turn-based so you can actually like do something mm-hmm. between your turns. Like, you know, go grab a snack or a drink or whatever. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so Hearthstone's mine. Go-to games. Um, right now, probably Alpha Bear. But if I think about games that I like to go back to, I'm thinking Portal 2 co-op mode. Because I can get on um, my computer and actually beg my son Chris to play with me and play that, that <laughs> where you're two robots and you can and you can talk to each other while you play and 
It's just a way to sneakily make him hang out with me. Nice. <laughs> just Very like World good. of Warcraft was. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Devious. I think for me, um, if I'm just like, oh, I don't know what I want to do. I want to play a game. What I always end up doing is Assassin's Creed Unity. Because <laughs> Stop laughing at me. Because I have so many missions unlocked and I've finished the whole story mode. So it's just like, well, I can jump in and investigate a murder mystery for an hour or so. Oh, or yeah. I can... Run around and open chests because there are hundreds of them. I <laughs> open them all. So that's what I'm doing. And then I have the pleasure of seeing the minimap clear of its icons, which torment me at night. So, yeah. Okay. Nice. It's Unity. Braxton, how about you? Uh, I was going to guess that uh, uh, you were playing Assassin's Creed Unity so you could see the googly eyes and the, you know. The... <laughs> I never got that I know that they glitch. patched that, though. Yeah. I never had it. <laughs> oh, what a shame. <laughs> um, I'd say my go-to game um, is probably Super Smash Brothers 4. Mm. Um hmm. I, I've been a big fan of the uh, Smash Bros. series for a long time, and um, it's a lot of fun playing my Nintendo char- my favorite Nintendo characters, um, yeah. especially Lucas from Mother 3, um, which is a very, like, I don't know, a cult game. <laughs> and he managed to make the roster in one of their uh, DLC that they released over the summer, so I'm very happy about nice. that. Nice. Cool. Yeah, it's just a fun game to... Um, you know, sit back and um, angst over. <laughs> Usually I'm angsting because I play with Peter and he's incredibly good at it and I'm not. <laughs> so he yeah. beats me every time and I'm, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's still fun. Yeah. yeah. Nice. All right. Well, with that, I think we're going to wrap things up. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, if you like what you're hearing, you should subscribe to us on iTunes and review us as well. Even if you don't like what you're hearing, <laughs> go ahead and review us. Uh, we need the feedback. Anyhow, uh, you can find us on Facebook, Pixelkin. You can find us on Twitter, at Pixelkin underscore org and at Gaming with Moms. We also have a YouTube channel, which is uh, YouTube slash – I was going to look this up. YouTube slash user slash something, Pixelkin underscore org. You can go there and search for Pixelkin and you will find us. Um uh, hello at pixelkin.org. Hello. If you have questions, yeah. pe- questions, yeah. it's almost the most important thing. If you have questions, comments, or feedback, you can send those to hello at pixelkin.org. And I think I covered everything. Great. Sounds good. All right. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back with you next week. Bye. This podcast was recorded in the studios of the Jack Straw Cultural Center in Seattle, Washington.